Hello and a very warm welcome indeed to this virtual service from the Cranmer Group on the fourth Sunday after Easter. If you're new to our podcasts, I'm the vicar of the parishes, the Reverend Tim Chambers. I hope very much that you're all doing okay. I've seen it reported at the end of this, what's now our sixth week of isolation, that in common with timings in other countries that have gone into extended lockdown, many people have been finding the conditions under which we're now living increasingly difficult over the past few days. It's very much my prayer that this doesn't apply to you. But if you're particularly struggling with being isolated at the moment, whether that's practically, emotionally or spiritually, please do get in touch with me. I'm on 07946526569 and at curate at stgilesparish.com. As you'll hear shortly, preparing this week's sermon has led me to reflect on some ways in which we are or in which we perhaps aren't being church across our benefits at the moment. So especially with the Thy Kingdom Come prayer initiative that all denominations take part in at the end of May between Ascension Day and Pentecost, do look out for new ways in which we're going to be together albeit virtually, over the coming weeks. So as we start our service this morning, let's take a moment of quiet to be still before God. Alleluia! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia! The Collect for the Third Sunday after Easter from Common Worship. Risen Christ, faithful shepherd of your father's sheep, teach us to hear your voice and to follow your command, that all your people may be gathered into one flock to the glory of God the Father. Amen. We're now going to have a time of worship. Deb Hubbard is kindly going to play for us. Brother, sister, let me serve you. Do join in with this worship at home. The words are on the Cranmer Group website.
Thank you so much, Deb. Nick Finlay is now going to read to us from the Book of Acts. The reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, beginning at the 42nd verse. The Fellowship of the Believers They devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the Apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here ends the reading. Thank you, Nick, for reading for us. Lord, I pray that you will be in my words and in our hearts and minds this morning, that through the power of your Holy Spirit we will be transformed into the likeness of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus came to launch the kingdom of God. He ended up with the church. So goes the old joke. It doesn't sound a very good deal, does it? Is the way that things have panned out over the two millennia since the resurrection all one big mistake? Did Jesus really intend to found the church with all its denominations and synods, cathedrals and PCCs? I'll leave you to answer that final question yourselves. However, and for this, there's a great deal of evidence in the gospel accounts of his life, as he surrounded himself with a small group of close followers with whom he frequently shared table fellowship. What I will say is that Jesus did envisage small communities of people committed to living out his vision of the kingdom and continuing beyond his life on earth. That's to say, something that looks very much like what we would call a church, a family of believers. But if, going back to the joke, Jesus came to launch the kingdom of God, the mission of the church is a calling to be a sign and a foretaste of that same kingdom, to reveal the person of Christ to the world in word and deed, in God's word, in prayer and in worship. I've heard it said that the church is rather like a Chinese restaurant. You and I know that when we go to the Young Sing in Bingham for dinner or wherever else it might happen to be, we're not actually in China itself eating utterly authentic Chinese food prepared using 100% Chinese grown ingredients by chefs who are born and bred locals, all eaten in traditional Chinese surroundings. But what we do get in Bingham is a pretty good approximation of traditional Chinese food from restaurant staff who, although they may not have actually been born in China, are ethnically Chinese, all in a Chinese-inspired setting. It's a reminder of the real thing, which is exactly what the church is meant to be also. Church is not and never can be the kingdom. But church is meant to be a community that reminds us of the real thing, the kingdom of God. And at their best, 
Churches are. They are places where people can begin to understand and feel and experience what life is actually like under God's rule. What a community might look like that really lived in Jesus's kingdom under his rule. I have a feeling I've already quoted Bishop Leslie Newbegin to you in one of my few sermons as vicar, but I make no apology for doing so again since Newbegin, one of my favourite theologians, expresses a really important thing for us to remember when we reflect on ourselves. He says this, The church is the hermeneutic of the gospel. I know that this is rather technical theology speak, but a hermeneutic is a way in which we look at something like a pair of glasses through which we see. So what Newbegin is saying is that the way in which our world sees and interprets the person of Jesus revealed in the Gospels is through what we, the church, look like. That is how much you and I look like the person of Jesus in the way we live our lives, and especially as we live them together as Christ's church. You'll notice if you read the book of Acts, which is really the biography of the very earliest church, that throughout its early chapters, you never really hear of people doing things on their own. It's always a group of new believers who choose to come together. And this is precisely what we see in this morning's reading from Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47, a justifiably famous account of what the early church in Jerusalem was like. Today, however, is one of those occasions when the way in which the Church of England's lectionary, its calendar of Bible readings, does us a bit of a disservice because we miss what is perhaps the most important part of the picture of the early church, a couple of verses before. This early Christian community we read in verse 42 was characterised by four things to which it devoted itself, to which it committed its whole being, and through which the spiritual lives of its believers were fed. The teaching of God's word through scripture, the fellowship of fellow believers, the breaking of bread with one another, both in the general sense uh, of sharing a meal, as well as sharing in communion, and prayer. There is a critical precondition for all of these believers to come together, and for all of them to have a desire to connect with one another and with their Heavenly Father. And that's what's cut off a few lines previously in verse 38. We read there, asked by the people what they should do. Peter tells them, Repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon each one of these new believers and the presence of that same Spirit within them that results in them coming together with a desire to live so faithfully as disciples of Jesus. The presence of the Holy Spirit is the reason why these early believers are behaving as they are. The signs of the Holy Spirit at work amongst these earliest believers are multiple. The giving and receiving of teaching, performing miracles in God's name, 
radical generosity with their belongings for the benefit of others, meeting together to break bread and singing joyful praises to the Lord. All of these signs of the Spirit at work happen in community, a place of shared life, of life as Jesus describes it in John chapter 10 verse 10, lived to the full in the power of the Spirit. It's often said that the contrast between the two main bodies of water in the Holy Land, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, is a very helpful image for illustrating the contrast between a group living with the nourishment of the Spirit we see in this passage and the fruits of the Spirit which the believers display, and one living without that. The Sea of Galilee has both an inflow and an outflow. The waters that it receives, it once more gives on through the River Jordan, giving life in abundance to the lands which are blessed by its waters, and at the same time flourishing itself. But of course the Dead Sea, at the end of the same river, has no means by which to pass on the water that enters it. It is a dead end, with the result that it is stale, brackish, and utterly devoid of life. Thus it is that the life of the Christian community recounted in Acts 2 is not a holy huddle turned in on itself. The Spirit gives life to the community. The community in turn passes on that life to others. The new believers give to those who are in need. They meet in public in the courts of the temple, in a location where they can engage with others who are not yet followers of Jesus. The overall witness is so spiritually compelling that as we read in verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is a vision, in the words of the vicar and theologian John Stott, of a learning church, a loving church, a worshipping church, and an evangelistic church, to which I'd also add a praying church, all of which flows from the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's a vision of what it means to be church that has such a balance between all the elements of its communal spiritual life and which is therefore so attractive to outsiders that some have identified it as the vision of church. For them, it's the standard and model to which all churches should aspire, notwithstanding the immense differences between the surrounding culture of first century Palestine and, for instance, 21st century Britain, with or without a lockdown. Is this a fair judgment? And if so, what might be the implications for us as the Cranmer Group, as individual churches and as the combined benefice? I have to say that personally, I find this image of a group of followers of Jesus Christ the most attractive in the whole of the New Testament. There is a communal rootedness in prayer, word, Eucharist and spirit, which bears such varied and beautiful fruit that I myself would see this as my starting point for how church might, should even, look. I'd love to hear what each one of you thinks about this, to hear how God may be speaking to you about what it is for us to be church in this time and place. Do please get in touch and let me know. However, I'm very conscious that there are at least 
two implications for us from this, one short term and one longer term. In the immediate term, in this strange lockdown time, there are so many great things going on, especially from the point of view of mutual support in our individual villages. Thank you all so much for the ways in which you've extended the love of Jesus Christ to one another and to your friends and neighbours in this. However, I've been convicted by this passage that we're currently missing, I believe, spiritual connections both between ourselves, across the benefits, and also collectively with our Heavenly Father in prayer. I mentioned in my introduction to the service that later in the month there's the Global Vikingdom Come 10 Days of Prayer initiative. Look out for the announcements coming soon from me and from a small group I'm assembling about how we can connect more deeply and possibly for some of us reconnect with our Heavenly Father in prayer in a range of different and imaginative ways for old and young, introvert and extrovert. A small number of you are already meeting regularly, now on Zoom, in the Wrestling with God group led by Annie Dickinson to study the Word and to pray together. This is a great group, and I absolutely wish to affirm Annie and all who are coming together in this. Do please get in touch with her should you wish to join the group. I'm sure they'd be delighted to have you with them. However, to complement this... I'm going to be starting a not dissimilar group, looking at a series of studies by the very accessible American Christian author Max Lucado, entitled All Too Appropriately for This Time, You'll Get Through This. We'll be doing this short course using online materials. Look out for dates and details of how to join us very shortly. And I'm also going to see what we can do to enable people to connect more easily with one another across the benefice around these Sunday virtual services. Once again, watch this space for news of how that's going to look. Longer term, I'm very aware that the Cranmer Group, as stated on the Benefice website, aims to be an authentic and accessible Christian community. And, less prominent publicly, has a vision to know Christ better and to make him better known. I'd love us all, perhaps especially in this time of disruption, when so many of our assumptions about what it is to be church are of necessity being challenged, to take the opportunity to reflect not upon what it is that we want to be, since our identity as children of God and disciples of Jesus Christ remains constant throughout all storms, but rather to reflect on how it is that we live as his disciples and above all as gathered disciples in his church, growing together in faith in order that we might be sent to proclaim the good news to all around us. I certainly don't presume to have any answers for us at this very early stage in our shared ministry in the Benefice. But I hope that starting from the vision we see for the church in our passage this morning, guided by prayer and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll discern together how God is calling us to follow him together in the Cranmer Group over the coming years. It's my prayer that each of you will join me in this adventure and that together we'll follow where he calls us. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Caroline Coulter is now going to lead us in our intercessions. Prayers of thanksgiving and intercession. For the health workers tending the seriously ill, for the scientists working on a vaccination, for the researchers analysing data and identifying trends, for the media outlets working to communicate reality, for the supermarket workers, hygiene and sanitation providers, for the good news stories of recoveries and effective planning, for the singing from balconies by lockdown communities, for the recognition that isolation doesn't need to mean loneliness, for the notes through letterboxes offering help and support, for the internet and telephones and technology that connects, for the awakened appreciation of what is truly important, thanks be to God. For those who are unwell and concerned for loved ones, for those who are already very anxious, for those immune-suppressed or compromised, for those vulnerable because of underlying conditions, for those in the most at-risk to coronavirus categories, for those watching their entire income stream dry up, for those who have no choice but to go out to work, for those who are afraid to be at home, for those who are more lonely than they've ever been, for those who are bereaved and grieving, God be their healer, comfort and protection, be their strength, shield and provision, be their security, safety and close companion. And raise up your church to be your well-washed hands and faithful feet, to be present to the pain, to respond with love in action, even if from a safe distance. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of heaven and earth, in these times of isolation, apart from loved ones, distant from friends, away from neighbours, thank you that there is nothing in all of creation, not even coronavirus, that is able to separate us from your love. And may your love that never fails continue to be shared through the kindness of strangers, looking out for each other, for neighbours near and far, all recognising our shared vulnerability each of us grateful for every breath and willing everyone to know the gift of a full and healthy life. Keep us all in your care. Amen. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. And as our Saviour taught us, so we pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and for ever. Amen. The Collect for the Third Sunday After Easter from the Book of Common Prayer Almighty God, who showest to them that be in error the light of thy truth, to the intent that they may return into the way of righteousness, grant unto all them that are admitted into the fellowship of Christ's religion, that they may eschew those things that are contrary to their profession, and follow all such things as are agreeable to the same, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
Deborah Davis is now going to play for us. We have a gospel to proclaim. Once again, do please join in at home if you wish with the words that are on the Benefice website. you, Deborah. We've had slightly more traditional worship in our services over the past three weeks. 
I'd gradually like to start introducing some more contemporary worship songs. So in our virtual service this week, I'm suggesting you also worship to Hope and Glory by Tim Hughes, who's a contemporary British uh, worship songwriter. Hope and Glory is in fact rather hymn-like in character. You can listen to it via a YouTube clip that I've put on the Cranmer Group blog on our church website. Uh, The lyrics to the worship song are in the film itself. I hope very much that you enjoy it. We'll be looking to introduce more contemporary worship songs over the coming weeks as well, so that we have a good balance between tradition and contemporary. I'll bring today's service to a close with a blessing. The God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. Go well, be blessed and have a good week.